Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hey, Andrew. Hello there, Edwin. We are continuing in Psalm 81 here on a Tuesday. We certainly are. Tuesday, March 14th, the year of our Lord, 2023. With Psalm 81, we were unpacking yesterday. This is quite possibly, maybe even likely, a song that would be sung together in congregations in the worship of feast days, and particularly feasts in the seventh month. So certainly feast days. Verse 3. Verse 3 says that. Certainly, okay. this is a feast day psalm, certainly. Very good. A little less certain, but still pretty likely, as we're looking in the seventh month, because it mentions the new moon and the full moon, and the seventh month was That's the month were. That, that had those. Yes. A little bit less likely is being able to determine which of the feasts... And maybe we don't have to. Maybe that's why they left it kind of open. Mm-hmm. However, the the point that I made yesterday is the mention of the shofar really does call to mind, and that's in verse 3, the trumpet is the shofar, does call to mind, Leviticus 25.9, calls to my mind, Leviticus 25.9, where the shofar was blown on the 10th day of the 7th month, which was the Day of Atonement, in the Jubilee year, kicking off the Jubilee mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And I think I see some things in this psalm that correspond with that. So a, lot again, of uh, you know, a little descending level of certainty at each one of those points. But at the at the beginning, it is it's a feast. This this is something that is going to be sung, preached, whatever right. at one of those feasts. And what's amazing to me about that then is when I picture the feast day and the joy often associated with those things, the juxtaposition of some of the lyrics of this psalm, which are God saying, listen to me, remember me. Uh, sort of, you know, suggesting they they've not done a good job at that. Right. So right. we need to get back to it. Right. All well, right. you know, if we are in the feast of, if we're around the feast of tabernacles, you can even see this being done at the restoration with Ezra and Nehemiah. Remember, at the feast of yeah. tabernacles, they called the Levites together. They read the word and gave the sense of it. Said they hadn't surrounding... done one like that since the days of Joshua. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you could see this being a psalm that would be brought out at that time for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're going to read it again and uh, talk a little bit more about it. We're reading Psalm eighty-one today from the New King James Version to the chief musician on an instrument of gaff. A psalm of Asaph. Sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Raise a song and strike the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the lute. Blow the trumpet at the time of the new moon, at the full moon on our solemn feast day. For this is a statute for Israel, a law of the God of Jacob. This he established in Joseph as a testimony when he went throughout the land of Egypt, where I heard a language I did not understand. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from the baskets. You called in trouble, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you with the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you will listen to me, there shall be no foreign god among you, nor shall you worship any foreign god. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart, to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. 
The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat, and with honey from the rock I would have satisfied you. Oh, that my people would listen to me if they would just hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Shema. The Shema. We talked about that yesterday. That leads into another point made in this psalm. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's Mm -hmm. one Lord. There's one God. There, There are not many, many gods out there that we should follow. And this psalm brings that up. Here, as he talks about what they should hear in Psalm 81, we'll, I'll start in verse 8 again. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Those verses are a reworking of the beginning of the Ten Commandments that we find in Exodus 20. Very much so. so a lot of overtones. It, and and not, not just overtones. I mean, like straight up quoting with the exception of reversing the order. Because in Exodus 20, here's how it begins. Verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. So he, he straight up quotes this point about being... I am the mm-hmm. Lord your God. He rewords that first commandment. The, the first commandment in Exodus 20 is, you shall have no other gods before me. Here in Psalm 81, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. Yeah. You know, you, you don't allow these strange gods among you. Don't the, the gods from these other lands, you don't bring them in. So so the command in Exodus is don't don't bring him into my presence. Right. Here in Psalm 81, it flips it a little bit and says, well, if they're not supposed to be in my presence, guess who else they're, whose presence yeah, they're not supposed to be, be in? with you either. They're not supposed to be in your presence yeah. either. What an amazing call for cleansing and even repentance. Again, thinking about this at feast times, at feast days. Yeah. You know, let's get together and we're going to be reproved in the congregation. If you've got those gods among you, if you've been serving those gods... And, and and that was a danger. And almost every feast, and I'm going to say almost just because I, I'm afraid if I say every, somebody will point out to me something I missed in some of them. But but those feasts were almost completely about the Exodus. I think mm, you yeah. know, the Passover, the Tabernacles, all of these were pointing back to what God did to deliver them. Again, you can understand why this is the statement that gets brought up in a psalm that is written for a feast day. Yeah. Whether it's the Day of Atonement, whether it's the trumpets or the tabernacles, or even if it's something that they would sing at the Passover, whichever feast we have, it makes sense to be reminded there is the God who brought us out of Egypt. He deserves. We owe him our allegiance. We owe him submission. Even if there were other gods, none of those gods stepped up to deliver you from Egypt. Hmm. None of those gods stepped up and said, we'll take care of you, Israel. None of those gods brought you into a land where you didn't build the cities and you didn't plant the fields. None of those gods have been looking out for you. He says, this, I am the God who did this. Now, you and I know that's because he's the only God. (laughs) Right. I, I get that. But... He's, no, the, I to their point to that point. I the Israelites were contending with neighbors who said there were other gods. Right, Baal is a real god, and Ashtoreth is a real 
goddess Molech and Eglon and all such as these. The Canaanites had all this pantheon of gods. Yes. Right? And so there was this uh, cultural pressure of neighboring communities. You know, just one hillside over might be your Philistine town, and there they worship Baal. Yeah. And so you're constantly, as an Israelite, being inundated with these other stories of reality, these other gods. And from time to time, the gods would want to fuss and fight with one another about who's the best god. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I know that God says that as he was taking them out of Egypt, that he was bringing judgment on the gods of Egypt. Mm-hmm. That, that, rec- that idea of, look, these Egyptian gods haven't done you any good. Right. While you were there in Egypt. In fact, if I understand it right. We get into Ezekiel, I think we discover that the Israelites, when they got to Egypt, started following the Egyptian gods. And because of that would be why God allowed them to be judged and brought into captivity. Again, once you started turning to that, where did it take you? It took you into captivity. And who was the one that said, you know what, I'll take care of you, Israelites? wasn't any of those Egyptian gods. It was Yahweh. Well, you know, and to that, Asaph, particularly if we could say, hey, what if this was Asaph, Asaph writing this psalm? And he's a contemporary with David, and he's a contemporary with Solomon. And Solomon had an eye for the foreign wives. And what comes with the foreign wives? Mm. All of their gods, all of their little idols, which the scripture even says they turn his heart away from the true God. The wisest man ever. The wisest man ever. And so when we invite those influences of the other gods deep into our hearts and lives, it can have a very corrupting effect, which this this song, this psalm would be one to call them back. You know, we're here at the feast and we're loving God and we're remembering what he did. Well, let's take that home with us then when the feast days are over and get rid of these idols. Yes. And and even thinking at the other end of the Israelite history, we, we've already talked about the Feast of Tabernacles that happened with Ezra and Nehemiah. What were Ezra and Nehemiah constantly contending with? Yeah, the, bringing back those the foreign, foreign wives yeah. and all of the problems. And and even they pointed out, look, Solomon was not able to withstand this. Yeah. What makes us think we will? Yeah. And here we have the psalm that you're going to sing at that time to remember and remind, I am the Lord. I am the one who loved you. I am the one who directed you. I am the one who brought you out of slavery, who lifted the basket off of your shoulder, who took the burden away from your back. I am the one that brought you into this land. I am the one that has sent the rain and watered and caused all these things. Really what this psalm highlights is that there is something owed to this God. It, mm. it is, it, and I know we don't in, like that today. In, in because the sense we think, of like covenant relationship? Yes. Yeah. I know we don't like that. It's it certainly, not, look, Israel was delivered completely by the grace of God. They right. couldn't deliver themselves and they weren't delivered because they were amazing. But God having delivered them, there was a... True expectation. I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this. There was a certain expectation, a right expectation, that these folks whom God had delivered would now submit and surrender to him. absolutely, And I think if we are going to be honest, we would realize that if they get into that free land and decide, you know what, no, I think I'm going to worship Molech, there's something really, really wrong with that. Oh, there is. Yeah. And therefore, deserving of judgment. Mm, mm -hmm. And that's, of course, what happened again and again and again. God says, I'm the one who did this. I think about us today. When I think about deliverance, there is no other God that has saved me from my sins. Mm -hmm. There's no other God that's even offered to save me from my sins. Whether I'm talking about these deities, Mm -hmm. these fake deities, you know, Thor, Odin, 
They didn't. No. They haven't offered to take my sins away. Uh, Allah. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I, you make a great point there that you can go uh, around the world religions and dig into some of these pantheons, even like the, the, the Marduks and the ancient Near Eastern gods, and you will find that the humanity has been created to serve gods. Gods have to be fed. God has to be served. They are the slaves of the gods. What you have unique in Christianity is Jesus Christ who comes to be slave of all. Mm. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. It is something truly special and glorious about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a different God with a different attitude toward his creation. And I know as the truth of God's true religion has echoed through false religions that are mediocre copies of what truly has happened, I know there are gods that died and then came back to life. But as you read those stories, those are stories about why do we have fall, winter, and spring. Yeah. Those are not stories about how are my sins forgiven. So I'll I'll give you a a fancy word for those stories. Etiologies. Ooh. E-I-T-O-L-O-G-I-E-S. Myths that explain why things are the way they are. Yeah. And that's what that, you know, you know, the Baal cycle you're talking about and some of those Egyptian gods that way. Yeah, they're, they're going to explain why we have winter, right. why the crops go away, and why it comes back and rains again. But what Jesus theologies God coming in the form of God the Son, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the incarnate God, he dies on the cross and mm-hmm. on the third day is resurrected, and that provides redemption, forgiveness, adoption, salvation, and nobody else has offered that. Yeah. Nobody else has given that to me, to you, to anyone else. How could we not fall on our faces in his presence and say, I'm going to listen. I'm going mm-hmm. to do what you said. Mm-hmm. This, this is the God who has done that for us. I am the Lord, your God. He says, I think we should follow him. Holy God, thank you for being our God. Thank you for sending your son to die for us, that we might be delivered, that you would lift the burden, the basket from our back, the, the boulder of sin that we had carried around, that you would take that away from us and not only remove the guilt, but that you will transform us, that we might be more like your son, Jesus, having victory over temptation and sin. And we pray for that transformation, Lord God. We surrender to you and we thank you and we love you. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Hey. Do it now. Dude, come on. Hey, Andrew. Hello there, Edwin.